0: Hello, and welcome to the BS with Friends podcast, a subsidiary of the Bader and Simon Gallery scheduled to open in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2024. I'm your host, Tamara White, founder and board president of Bader and Simon. In this podcast, we will discuss art, social justice, and well, basic BS with friends. Our approach is a bit lighter and irreverent and as a warning for those with young ones nearby, there is a chance that colorful language will be used from time to time. The format will include five questions for our guests that are a bit more serious and each interview will end with the same five fun questions. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the episode. Michelle Boyd is an artist and art educator. She currently holds the position of coordinator of the visual arts unit at the Department of Creative and Festival Arts in the Faculty of Humanities and Education at the University of the West Indies St. Augustine. Michelle recently retired from the secondary school education system in Trinidad and Tobago as an acting principal, having held every position at the secondary school, during her 34 years of service. Michelle was also involved in the training of secondary school teachers in the area of visual and performing arts at the, also at the University of West Indies. Michelle is not only an artist, but also teaches and is the co-owner of Perspective Arts and Craft Supplies, works as a creative consultant, and a curator. In her free time, Michelle enjoys spending time with her children and enjoys the arts and culture scene in her community.
1: So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you for inviting me. It will be an absolute pleasure doing this with you today.
0: So I'd love for you to tell our listeners about why you were drawn to art and what your life's trajectory is.
1: So, uh, being drawn to art, you know is, is is one of those things that I believe would have started from from the minute I was born, you know, uh, because my entire career, uh, childhood, everything just kind of navigated itself towards art. My first inspiration was my father. He's quite a great little artist himself, you know, and of course, I got huge encouragement from my school system, from my secondary school teachers. And it so much so when I was in the secondary school level, which would be maybe the grade 12 type thing, um, equivalent to you guys, I would have had the choice to choose between art and chemistry. And chemistry seemed to be the better career choice. <laughs> And of course, I snuck away from my chemistry class because I was dreaming of art. And my teacher, and I will call her name Anne-Marie Howard. <laughs> she she totally encouraged that move. And I, I went on to, to pursue art at every level, you know, from secondary to what we call A levels and then university, teacher straight in college, you know. It was just an amazing journey. And I cannot see a life without art. Yeah.
0: That's a perfect you know life without art would what would that look like? Um, yeah so surreal. Tell us about your experiences of leading the Trinidad Arts Society and some of the challenges that you overcame as you were were involved in this endeavor.
1: So if you're thinking it's the Trinidad the Art Society of Trinidad and Tobago, I've never held that position, but I have held positions of membership. And also in a, a group that was formed out of being a graduate from the University of the West Indies, it's called Canvas Caribbean. So I did hold a leadership role there. Um, it was very challenging because many of our graduates, which is approximately 70 percent of our graduates in Trinidad and Tobago, end up being teachers. So my biggest concern there is that we were actually creating art at a minimum for, you know, the shows that we would have had and stuff like that and not putting art in the forefront of our lives. And this was something for me that I, you know, I, the buy-in at the time in that particular group, I couldn't get it, you know? So it's, it's not a group that I belong to anymore, but I am indeed involved in so many things. I'm curating myself and I know that getting outside of Trinidad and Tobago would have become a thing that took a lot of efforts, a lot of work, and that's where my trajectory is in terms of 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 any kind of group, any kind of association, you know, to reach outwards outside of of our space.
0: Okay, thank you for clarifying that for us. And you know, and as you were talking about the the work that you're doing um, with students and the community and such, i'm I'm really interested in your own artwork. I love, there's such a vibrancy in the colors in your work, but the titles appear to be very personal. And I'm wondering if you can just talk about your own work and how the focus of that is, because it seems as if you're, you're sort of exploring something through your art.
1: Producing my art is one of the most intimate things that I do. It's really being absolutely in touch with my environment, my space, my gender, my identity, so many things just kind of colliding at the same time. The fact that I'm a mother, I'm a career woman, you know, and it really just envelops my entire existence. And I use the visual language and all of my formal training, right, to produce the things that I actually produce. Now, um... Being a teacher, being an educator, of course, you would know all of the fundamentals and all of the rudiments of producing art, producing art from a representational perspective. Yes. However, I have navigated my entire journey as an artist into working with the fundamentals, with the essence of art, with the color, with the tones, with the values, with the rhythm, movement, textures, you know, things like, like that, and many times, <laughs> persons would have responded to my work saying that it's a very sensual type of of work that occurs. But I cannot separate or divorce myself, my feminine self, from my work. You know, so it's it's through the eyes of a woman, through the eyes of an artist, and all the other roles that I play. So. Uh, I guess at some point in time, you know, the work would be seen. Uh, You're right. I can share lots more of it with you. Um, It is something that also requires me to work very large. And most of my pieces are very large pieces of work uh, because I believe that I'm better able to express myself using a larger space, especially since, space is also a compromised thing in my studio, my own personal studio, you know? So while the studio is small, the work is large, which is a kind of crazy juxtaposition of, of <laughs> you know. So yes, yeah, so so my work really it epitomizes all that I am as an artist, as a woman, as a Caribbean woman, whatever that means. <laughs> Yet to be defined, yes. Because you know what we are made up of. We have come from so many places of this this world. So that's what my work is about.
0: That's wonderful, and and I think it's uh, reflected in the layers and the textures that you described. So, where do you see yourself in five years from now? As an artist, as an educator, as a leader in your community? What what yeah. does that look like for you?
1: Hmm. That's that's some. I've never really existed just doing one thing. I I cannot remember being just one thing at any point in time. And, you know, some of my friends actually say, Michelle, you know, you just crave having no time and being busy and and being involved in almost everything and whatever. So, you know, my ultimate goal one day is actually to become a full-time artist. However, However, I cannot not see myself being an educator. I've done it for so long and I absolutely adore children and young minds. So, the community, it's natural. If I'm part of a community, I have to immerse myself in whatever activities go on. I help where I can, how I can. I'm, you know, I get involved. I do get involved. So, I'm always going to be me, the artist, the educator and the person that just helps people around them. And trying to make the space that I live in better.
0: And I would imagine that, you know, I'm just guessing you can use your art to do that, right? You can oh, use definitely. that art to make the world better, to educate, to, to connect with your community. So what's your vision for the exploding art scene that is existing in the Caribbean and in its diasporas?
1: And where do you see it heading? So the art scene that is exploding, I think it's Taking its place in the world, in the scheme of things, in the art world, it's being recognized because our numbers, our diaspora, our peoples who have moved out of our country, you know, our region, because it's multiplied in numbers, we now hold a particular, I guess, significance in the spaces, we are recognized, we are appreciated, our music, our steel pan, our carnival, our artists, our colors, the vibrancy, how we see things, the histories that come in into the, as it, you know, resonates out of the work and out of the region, right? It is without further hesitation that this work and the people that we are in our little, little, little islands, maybe 700 or so, right, have some kind of voice, have some kind of presence. So I can see that more people are going to come to us come to us to visit our spaces, to enjoy our culture, to enjoy our art. And because of social media, there is a lot, a lot of exposure now. Our younger people, our younger artists and so on, they are, they are conducting sales, they are doing business, people are buying their work off Instagram and, and TikTok and everything else. So, you know, when I was a teenager, we did not have those kinds of opportunities. Everything was very closed in, you know, you had to write a letter and post it out somewhere. And it was it was very, very, very different, far less open. So it's a literal global community. I can see that our work and the ability to move around and to showcase our work will become far easier. Yeah. As time goes by.
0: I agree. I I have a friend that just opened a gallery in San Francisco, and he has an artist um, from Ghana that he connected Uh with through Instagram. And, you know, had it not been for social media, he would not have discovered this individual and the ease in which they've been able to communicate and share images. And that's wonderful. You know, just this sort of international art scene that, that can be created.
1: Yes, um, absolutely.
0: So so we're going to go to the questions that I ask everyone at the end of our podcast. And the first is, um, who are your dream dinner guests, dead or alive, as few or as many
1: as you would like? <laughs> Lovely. So, I, uh, you know... First of all, my parents. I, I, I've i gotten my parents involved in everything. They've met prime ministers of our country. They've met priests, ministers everywhere. I've taken them everywhere because I continue to be their child and I take pride in making them happy, putting a smile on my mother's face, looking at my father. My father's like, oh my God, you know, I wonder if I can do some of this, <laughs> you know? And of course, my husband who is, that silent supporter, you know, who would carry my canvases, stretch them if he had to you know drive me to wherever it is if it's too late for a, an art exhibition or something like that, you know he's just you know and and that's like thirty two years of marriage, huh? so that's a long time, so he's definitely going to be in, you know <laughs> I would have loved to meet Leonardo da Vinci, he is just prolific, I mean, who wouldn't, who's into art? Amazing, absolutely amazing guy. And um Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe is someone I would love to have dinner with. Just get into her head a bit. An amazing artist. So yeah, that
0: would be my very small group.
1: <laughs>
0: Intimate and perfect. Yeah. What song is the soundtrack of your life?
1: So it started being my soundtrack when I started having kids. And that was Forever Young by Rod Stewart. You know, and I was actually very much involved in at twenty two, having a child and still studying and still doing these things and knowing that I am making these sacrifices for the children, for my child, you know, for the betterment, to give them a better life, better opportunities. So, you know, it it really resonates with me that song and what it meant for even Rod Stewart. Good pick. Um, <laughs> Like flat or sparkling? Huh. So usually I would have flat because it just feels so natural, <laughs> closer to nature. You know, anytime you affect it too much, it gets a little worrisome for me. But um every now and then when I, you know, when I go out, maybe I might have sparkling, but definitely if I'm at home, if I'm at work, it's flat. Yes.
0: Got it. What social justice cause is most meaningful to you at this moment?
1: Nice. So I am. I am really very concerned about education and equity in education because of COVID nineteen. And I was actually at the helm of, of of a secondary school. I saw lots and lots and lots of things that affected children, their ability to learn. Certain ones had to withdraw from school because of financial constraints within the family. People would have lost jobs and so on. And it it really broke my heart to see that. And I have, I mean, I still do it quite a lot because I still connect to the system. I continue to be connected to the system and ensure that, you know, the persons that are given the responsibility of education are doing everything possible to reach out and to understand the position that these children are coming from, these right. young learners they are coming from, because it's not all, you know, it's not ourselves. It's it's not the lives that we have that we kind of mirror onto these children. We have to, to go into their lives and understand their perspective, understand where they are at, you know, and remove our egos and stuff like that and how great our lives is, is working out for us and try to help them see a future for themselves. So yeah, I think equity in education is one of those things. Getting that education out to as many young people as I can. Beautiful.
0: The last question is um, geared more toward our guests who are from the United States, but I'm going to throw it out in case you have an opinion. <laughs> of who is your least favorite Supreme Court justice?
1: Yes. Um, so that is a question I will not be able to respond to at all.
0: (laughs) That makes perfect sense, but I thought I I would ask nonetheless. Um, Yes. Yes. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And, um, is your artwork
1: online where people can find it or see it? I do have some work on Instagram and it's, not something that I have been pushing through that avenue because I've, you know, I, I get involved in exhibitions. I actually do it. So it's, it's, it's always been for the local leg like, except for that exhibition I would have had abroad, you know? So maybe that's something I need to work on.
0: What's yeah? your Instagram handle? It's,
1: it's my name. It's my name.
0: Michelle Boy,
1: yeah. Boyd, B-O-Y-D. Yeah. B-O-Y-D. So it's Michelle VOID, VOID, correct. Great. Yeah. Well, Lovely.
0: Thank you again and I wish you lots of wonderful art making and thank you again for taking the time to speak with us.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to reach out and let us know your preference for flat or sparkling or anything else you'd like to share, you can find us on Instagram at Bader and Simon Gallery or on our website BaderAndSimon.com, where you will find information about current exhibitions and programming. Until next time, have a fabulously artistic day.